Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. I've enjoyed this series. I hope and pray that you have. We've been calling it Hard uh, Words for Hard Truth, or Hard Words for Hard Times. Thank you. I got the name confused. Hard Words for Hard Times. And I, I think back, when I think about that kind of scenario and, you know, having to say tough things, uh, years ago when it was probably just uh, my, my three older boys that were uh, with me at the time, I think we were in a particular uh, line at the drive through at McDonald's, and I just have this, this memory of my boys just were not listening, and I made this like half frustrated, half joking thing where I said, if I said, okay, let's just imagine, let's set up scenario, that all of a sudden this crazy guy comes out and he's got a gun, he's like spraying bullets everywhere, you know, just shooting in the air and all this kind of stuff. If I said, everybody get down, there's a guy with a gun, my, my kids are like, huh, where? Where? Well, I don't see him. And I'm like, and I, my, my sense of humor is a little bit dark and twisted, but I mean, that's still like a running joke with my family. My boys have gotten much older now, but they, you know, make that joke all the time. It's because, you know, when, especially if you've been a parent, you know, you, how, you know how it is. It's like you feel like you have to repeat things over and over and over and over with kids. And we can get a little high and mighty sometimes, can't we, thinking that that's just a kid thing? But... It's not just a kid thing. Um, they, uh, Waypoint Church Planters, which is one of the organizations that helped us get planted, they have a T-shirt that they you know, sell or give out randomly to different people. And, um, and it says something to the effect of, yes, it's, in, it's been in the announcements for six weeks. Because that's something as you know, preachers and church leaders, you're, like, you're saying, it's like, well, I haven't heard about that. Yeah, it's been in the announcements. It's been on the church app for 18 years. You know, and it's like, I never heard it. Not once. Not once. And you might be guilty of that. I've been guilty of that. But we, even as adults, need to be reminded, especially when hard times come. We need to be reminded of the hard words, the hard truths for hard times. And that's what Peter has been trying to do. He's been trying to do it to the early church that he first wrote, those Christians that were scattered all throughout the region of Asia Minor there, and he's telling us as well, we need to be reminded. We talked about that last week. Let's not get, once again, high and mighty thinking, oh, you know, I know all that. I don't need to hear that anymore. I'm way too mature for that. No, we need to be reminded of those things. We don't need to be so prideful and so arrogant. We need to be reminded. Peter warned us, and we talked about it last week about, or in chapter one, about adding to our faith. And that comes from realizing that you have all you need to be saved in Jesus. But growth comes from adding more things to your faith. And when we talked about all those virtues, you remember those if you were here? If not, go back and listen. Uh, listen to me right now, but then go back online later and listen, just so you know, in case you get confused. Then he focused on watching out for false teachers. That's what we spent some time on last week. And, and that's not a fun message to teach about because we just all like to get along, right? But the truth is that a lot of the New Testament is warning people to look out for false teachers and to making sure that you don't fall away and walk away from your relationship with God. And to point it out, he pointed out that they come in many forms. We talked about immorality. And we talked about just false doctrines, false biblical doctrines that people out there, and that's sort of a, you know, 
oxymoron, right? Because if they're false, they're not really biblical, but there's enough truth in them to trick a lot of people. And so he warns, he says, and what was the underlying theme that we sort of have to understand about false teachers? They will be prevalent. We don't need to think that there's just a few out there. There are many. There always have been and there always will. And so as he finishes this second letter, and so if you're new here with us today, we're in 2 Peter. If you want to follow along in your Bible, you can turn to 2 Peter. We'll be looking at mostly chapter 3, uh, but the scripture will be on the screen here in just a moment. But as he finishes this second letter, Peter turns to one more danger that can really derail a believer's faith. And here it is. Why is it taking so long for Jesus to return? Why is it taking so long for Jesus to return? Now, when you talk about this, even in the church, there are going to be people all along. There are going to be people way over here on this extreme. There are going to be people way over here on this extreme. And there's going to be people all in the middle. Um, some people will be like, well, I'm kind of glad that he's not come back yet. And that might sound blasphemous, and I don't know if that's bad, but there's times in my life when I find myself in that place. I like my life. It's not easy, but I've got a great family. I've got a great church family. I, you know, I've had a lot of fun experiences, and so I'm glad in some ways that sometimes that he hasn't come back yet. And then there are some people that are just like, absolutely, and I've been here. I've been here very recently about, come Lord Jesus, right now. You know, you're, you're 10 minutes late, Jesus. You know, it's like it's got that urgency. It's like I'm ready for him to come back. Especially, I don't know about y'all, but when I watch the news, I'm right there a lot. Because I get so sick. I, I'm not saying you need to be uneducated and not informed, but I think news sometimes hurts us more than it helps us. Because you go out in the world and the world doesn't look that bad until you turn on the news and you're like, oh, I'm supposed to be mad at everybody. I'm supposed to be angry at all my neighbors. We're supposed to be fighting and slashing each other's tires every day. No, that's not the truth. That's not the case. And so some of us are like, yeah, right here, I want Jesus to come back yesterday. And then there's, we bounce around all along that spectrum, if you will, at times of like, you know, I'm ready for him to come back, you know, maybe, maybe after my vacation next week, you know, I don't have to go back to work or, or, you know, or fill in the blank and you're somewhere in the middle there. But here's the thing. It still causes a lot of people trouble. It can be a real problem for people. And it was for the early Christians and it can be for you and me. Because as I said with the news, we see horrible things around us and we, it, it, you know, it just sort of stalls us. You know, it's easy to get stuck, isn't it? It's easy to get stuck in our faith. When you see the horrors of this world at times and you see the evil ways that people can mistreat one another and you can kind of stop growing because you just focus on the negatives in the world and our lives and in your family even, in your relationships, and even in your church family. And you just get stuck. Because you're like, I, I just don't know. Why hasn't he come back yet? It, and maybe you even start to doubt. Maybe you even start to doubt. And, and like we talked about last week, we need reminding of the, the simple things as much or even more than the so-called deeper things that a lot of people, once you've been a believer for a while, kind of want to kind of get in the deep end of the pool. But I, I hate to say it, but a lot of things that some people call deeper are actually go into that false doctrine category. Because a lot of scripture, now some of it is difficult, and Peter's going to allude to this a little bit, but a lot of scripture is pretty easy to understand. It's pretty easy to understand. Not all, not all, but a lot. But here's where we pick up. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. 
This is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, both these letters, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. Do we need reminding? Come on, be honest. Yes, we need reminding. Verse 2, I want you to remember, do you think we need to be reminded? He's trying to make a point here. Peter doesn't mince words a lot, does he? You know, that's one thing we learned about him. And he's just like, here's what it is. I'm going to lay it out there. He's saying, you need to be reminded. I need to be reminded. I want you to remember that the holy prophet said long ago, what the holy prophet said long ago, and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles, himself and Paul and the others. Most importantly, I want to remind you, come on, Peter. He's reminding us we need reminding. I want to remind you in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. You know, I'm so glad that we're living in the golden age and there are no mockers and scoffers around. Makes life easier, doesn't it? No, there were mockers and scoffers back then. And are there mockers and scoffers right now? I mean, some people think... Some people think that's their spiritual gift. <laughs> Even in the church, there are some people that might fit in that. I, you know, I, don't, I think we're pretty blessed. I don't think we got too many around here, but it's easy to go to church and still be a mocker and a scoffer. And the, the, the world is full of them. There are so many people. That's their full-time job, so to speak, of they mock and they scoff at God. And they say it's all just a big fallacy. It's all just false. But he says mocking midway through verse 3. Mocking the truth and following their own desires, they will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? I mean, if, and I know, I know everybody knows this. You know, if you don't see scoffers and mockers, just get on social media for a few minutes, especially Twitter. <laughs> you know, I mean, get on there and people are just going to be, you know, all this Jesus fairy tale, your big fairy god in the sky, your you know, wish daddy or whatever they want to call him. You know, people have all sorts of degrading names for God and when they doubt and they want to follow their own, what does it say in verse 3? Desires. What happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created, is what they'll say. And to quote one of our modern day poets, some may know her as T. Swizzle, she said, haters gonna hate, 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 hate. That's Taylor Swift, for those of y'all don't know who that is. But she said, haters going to hate, 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 hate. They're going to do it. And Peace Swizzle, Peter, said, mocker's going to mock, 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 mock. And scoffer's going to scoff, 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 scoff. You just got to realize it. It's, it's easy. I mean, if you ever get on social media or if you ever meet someone in real life who's just a mocker and a scoffer, it's easy to get so frustrated. But if you know that they're going to be that way, does it make it a little bit easier? You know, if you just go ahead and realize there are going to be people that are going to mock, and they're not mocking you personally. You might be the avenue. You might be the conduit through which they're mocking right here and right now, but they are mocking God. And Scripture elsewhere says that God will not be what? Mocked. So he can handle it, but let's remind ourselves that people are going to do it. Don't get distracted that people have, uh, by the fact that people have an agenda 
They don't want Jesus to be true and they don't want Jesus to be real because guess what? That means that they will face judgment. And so the big idea that I want us to start off with as we progress through this passage is remember, don't believe the hype. Now, I quoted Taylor Swift, and now I've got to quote Chuck D and Flavor Flav. I don't know if any of y'all know them. I'm a 90s guy. But uh, they said, don't believe the hype. They said, don't believe the hype. And it's tempting to want to believe the hype. As we said, you turn on the news, you turn on social media, and you think, you know, I'm the, I'm the minority in the fact of I want to stand for God, and nobody else does. And that's a little bit of a problem is because a lot of times those of us who want to stand for God are way, 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 way too quiet. I'm not saying we need to be keyboard warriors and we need to be calling people names. That, there's enough of those people out there. But we need to speak the truth in love. And we need to be proactive rather than reactive in sharing our faith. We need to be looking for opportunities to show the light and the love of Jesus. And so don't believe the hype. Many people out there have an agenda, and Peter points it out clearly. Look at verse 5. These are very important words that start off verse 5. So if you've dozed off already, wake up. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from water and surrounded it with water. What is those two first words there? And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, I believe, today. Deliberately forget. Deliberately forget. They did not forget. They choose to forget. And once again, going back to kids, and I, I was a kid once, and I know I did this to my parents, but how many times have your kids, or when you were a kid, deliberately forgotten to do something? You know, I mean, they're over there, you, you know, you tell them, all right, I want, my, I want the, your room cleaned up by the time I get back, and they're over there like, you know, banging their head on the wall. I got... Yep, I, I forgot. You know, they're trying to do anything they can to do to forget. And that's the way a lot of the world is, is they deliberately, deliberately forget that God created all this and surrounded this earth from water. And then in verse 6, then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. He's, he's been working along. And by the same word, verse 7, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. It said that they deliberately forget. They said that the world hasn't changed at all, but he points out it's changed. God made it. He created it, and then he has punished it, and then he's restored it. And then one day soon, there's going to be a, a time when he will punish those who choose to reject him. A way to think about that phrase, deliberately forget, is willfully ignorant. There are a lot of people out there that are willfully ignorant of the truth of God's word, and that is a dangerous place to be. And before we get really too judgmental, it's an easy thing to do if you get caught up in the wrong crowd or you get caught up in the wrong way of thinking. And just to give you an example here, um, I've gotten a lot better, but there was a time in my life when I was willfully ignorant of Krispy Kreme donuts. I would try to convince people, I would try to convince myself that the donuts are like, they don't weigh that much. You know, they're very light and fluffy. You know, I, th I think the Lord made them maybe. You know, it's like, it's angel stuff. I don't know what it is. But they're light and fluffy, so they can't be that bad for you. And then, you know, then if you get, and here's, here's another game changer, that I, a lie I used to believe. You know, I was willfully ignorant. Chocolate ice glazed. Chocolate is made with milk. Milk has protein. 
Protein donuts. I mean, come on. But y'all can judge me all y'all want, but y'all have things in your life that you're like that about, right? You know, that's right. You have things that you spend money on that you're like, I know this is a waste of my money, but I'm going to do it. Or you have things that you want to eat that you say, this is my thing. And and you make up all sorts of excuses. It's not just about food. It's not just about spending money. But there are many things that we can be willfully ignorant on. And there are some people that are just willfully ignorant of God. And we need to remind ourselves they have an agenda, and it's to ease their conscience and destroy yours and mine. I mean, we need to understand that. They want to ease their conscience and not feel guilty about the way they live their lives, and they want to destroy your conscience so you will shut up. They really do. So if you're questioning the timing of God, I want you to remember this. God has always been a promise keeper. God has always been a a promise keeper. If he promises something, if he says something, it will happen. Now, it might not happen in the time and the way that we want it to happen. And I might be getting ahead of myself because I was going to point out this, and I'll point this out from time to time because I need a reminder. What did Peter say? We need to remind one another. God is God, and I am not. I want you to say that with me because I think we all need to be reminded of God is God and I am not. God is God and I am not. We need to be reminded that God has always been a promise keeper. If he says it, it will come to pass. And he has proven it time and time and time again. I could get into all of the amazing statistics about the prophecies that pointed to the coming of Jesus. And I've done that at different times, but I don't have time today. But there are countless just amazing probabilities that just couldn't be met by any other way. But Jesus fulfilled them. And he said, I'm going to, you know, send my son. And he sent his son. And he said, I'm going to raise him on the third day. And he what? Raised him on the third day. And then he said, I'm coming back. So guess what we need to understand? He's coming back. The timing may not look like what we want, but he is coming back. And so we need to tell ourselves that. And we need to remember that God's always been a a promise keeper. God's timing is best. Remember that fact. God's timing is best. Verse 8. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. It's like if you're telling your little, you know, five-year-old that you're going on vacation in a week, that's like a thousand years. You know? They're like, is it today? Is it today? Every minute. That's what they do. But God's timing is different than ours because he is on a different sphere. He's on a different realm, a different mindset. And so you and I need to trust God's timing because as we've said, God is God and we are not. And there are so many countless examples of God's timing being better than ours, than mine, than yours. Remember, God is compassionate. God is compassionate. Look at verse 9. The Lord isn't really slow about the promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake and my sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. You see, God wants even the mockers and the scoffers to repent. 
He wants the people who sin like you and the people who sin differently than you to repent. He wants you to repent. He wants me to repent. He wants all of us to repent. And that is why he is taking his sweet, precious time. Not because he's slow, right? But because he wants more and more people to repent. He is compassionate. You know, you think about it this way. When you start to struggle with the timing... Once again, I'm talking a lot of kid stuff today, but we've all been there, whether you've only been a kid or you're a parent. You know, when you go to the pool with your kids, at least this is what I do. I don't know if it's the right thing, but this is what I do, and I think it sort of fits. When I'm ready to leave, you know, I'll tell the kids, all right, I'm giving them a 10-minute warning. Then a little bit later on, I give them a five-minute warning. You know, I, want, I don't want to just yank them out of the pool because I love them. I care about them. And so I want, to, you know, want them to be ready. I want them to know. But hey, it's coming. But we give them a little bit of warning. And so I want to ask you, because God's compassionate and he wants everybody to repent and his timing might seem like it's dragging out to you and me. Who does he want you to go to and invite one more time? Or 10 more times? Or a hundred more times. Who does God want you to? Right now, be quiet for just a moment. And I don't mean, I mean, you're not talking. I'm the only one talking. <laughs> but, but quiet this. Who does God say to you right now? <laughs> Who's he nudging you with the Holy Spirit? Who's he bringing to mind that he wants you to invite because he wants them to repent? Because remember this, this the stakes are high. The stakes are high, so we need to be ready. Look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. It says at the moment, we don't know. It, might, it seems like forever. It's been 2,000 years, and people will mock, and people will scoff, and they say, is he even coming back? You know, was he even real? Was he even who he says he was? But when he's ready, guess what? It will be time. And, and a lot of people have different ideas about the book of Revelation and the end times and all that sort of stuff. And from my study of it, I really believe that everything that needs to happen has happened. Could it happen in another version again? Yeah, but I believe that everything that needs to happen has happened, and Jesus could come back now. That could have been it. That could have been it. And it says that nobody knows the day nor the hour. And so to sit here and wonder and worry and try to prognosticate and figure out when it's going to be, that's silly. That's wasteful. That's lazy. Dare I even say it might be sinful. We need to just be ready and we need to get other people ready because the stakes are high. The day will come like a thief. And this is, a, I didn't make this up, but I've heard it years and years and years ago and I can't remember who to attribute it to. But church, we aren't on the planning committee. We are on the welcoming committee for Jesus' return. We're not on the planning committee. We don't need to worry about the times and the dates, but we are on the welcoming committee. So we need to be ready to welcome Jesus when he returns and have as many people here to welcome him as possible. And all of this stuff, everything here will burn, it says. It's serious. And there will be a price to pay for those that reject Jesus. Or as Peter's words, those who are willfully ignorant. You know, it says in Scripture that men everywhere are without excuse 
Because even the creation testifies to the glories of God. So we need to tell people and warn people as much as we can. Because remember, your life says something, so make it good what it says. Your life says something. Every single one of us, your life says something. Raise your hand. If you're being stubborn, don't raise, raise your hand. <laughs> All of us, our life says something. Put them down. Our life says something, but let's make it good. What does it say? Look at verse 11. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives should you should live? Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth that he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so what Peter's saying here is it's really simple, but I'll just rephrase it one more time. Since everything is going to get real, live the right kind of life. He says, since all this is going to happen, what kind of holy and godly life should you live? And did you catch what it said? It says, evidently, the holier and the godlier life we live, we sort of speed up what? Y'all, y'all sleeping in that? We do what? We speed up what? When in doubt, say Jesus. We speed up Jesus. We speed up his coming, it says. The holier and the godlier life we live, we speed up Jesus. And so y'all need to start acting right so Jesus will come back. No, not y'all, just me too. All of us, all of us. We need to start being the church that he's called us to so that Jesus can come back. We need to be ready. Holy means set apart. Godly literally means God-like, being, having God-like qualities in love and kindness. Those virtues we talked about in chapter 1, that's a, is, is where it's going with that. Set apart, different from the world. We need to be different. But I want to ask you this, this question before we move on from this part. Are you looking forward to the world that's filled with God's righteousness? Are you really looking forward to it? Because I'll be honest, there are times that I'm not always looking forward to it. Maybe because I'm caught up in a sin. Maybe because I'm struggling with something. Maybe because I just love this world a little too much. And so sometimes, like we talked about earlier, maybe I'm like, I I could wait a little while. Are you looking for a place that's filled with God's righteousness? And we've got to start changing our minds. That's what repentance is, a change in our mind that leads to a change in our actions and a change in our hearts. We need to be ready to long and look forward to that day why, when Jesus is coming back. Are you ready for that day? And then he goes into more detail about how to live ready. Look at verse 14. He says, And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Make every effort, he says. Make every effort to live a pure and a blameless life. That is not easy, is it, my friends? Because this world is continually trying to contaminate you. Everything that we take in, almost everything, media and entertainment, all these things are just trying to contaminate us and it makes it hard to live a pure and a holy life. But he says, make every effort to do that as you're waiting for Jesus to return and for this kingdom of righteousness, the fulfillment of everything we've been working for. And here's where we're sort of getting closer to the end here. Remember 
the why. Look at verse 15. Remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. What did Peter just do? He just what? Repeated or reminded us about what he's been telling us over and over again. Do you think we need a reminder? Because we talked about, I believe it was last week, that there's one thing to know about what to do, and there's a whole other thing to what? Do it. He says, remember our Lord's patience gives, us, gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. Remember I talked about that? And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different just as they do with other parts of Scripture. And this will result in their destruction. So he is making this point. He said, look, some of it is a little difficult, but he said the people that twist it are ignorant and unstable and they will be punished for it because they also try to twist other parts of Scripture. So make sure, you know, so much of Paul's writing is twisted by so many people. And people love to be Bible farmers. They love picking things right out of context and serving it up to you the way that makes them happiest. And a lot of us, we love to do that. We don't need to do that. We don't need to pick things out of context. We need to study the whole of Scripture if we want to know what God says. And I mean, Romans is a beautiful book, but Romans is just tortured. Poor Romans. I mean, people just rip things out of context. I just had a, saw an online Bible study this past week, and you know, it talked about all these things, and they, they cherry-picked different verses out of Romans that proved their, their particular stance, and they skipped right over uh, the role of baptism in Romans chapter 6 in the heart of the book of Romans. And I'm like, why would you be so dishonest? Why would you not take what it says? There are so many people that are ready to twist Paul's words. And he says that their destruction is looming. False teachers are working hard, so we need to work hard as well, church. That's why I say that. That's why I point out all that. I'm not mean. I'm not trying to be hateful. But false teachers are out there working overtime. You and I need to work harder. We need to work harder and tell the truth in love. God wants people to be saved, and we should too. And so we got to work hard. And so remember this idea. This is sort of tie it all together. If you can put anything away in your brain today, you might not remember anything that I said when you're at the Mexican restaurant later. But I hope you can remember this. I won't grow unless I guard. I won't grow unless I guard. Now, you may think, what, what does that mean? Just like my kids, early on and still, aren't ready when I say, get down! Why? Why do I get down? We know that we should be on guard. We've been warned, but we still aren't on guard many times. And so we need to know that we won't grow unless we are on guard. Look at verse 17 and 18. He says, you already know these things. Do you think Peter's a little frustrated? You already know these things, dear friends. He might be gritting his teeth on that dear friends part. I don't know. No, I know. He loves them. He loves them. But you need to know these things. You already know these things. So be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. He's saying there's a lot at stake here. Their errors are leading a lot of people away, and they could even lead you away. Verse 18, rather you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All glory to him both now and forever. Amen. 
You see, we know this already, but we forget that we need to be on guard because we would rather just be comfortable. It takes a lot of energy and effort, a lot of mental energy to be on guard and look around and look for danger. And you might think, well, it takes all of our joy, but we don't need to steal every joyful moment away, but we need to be on guard in God's word and realize that there's a danger for us as well. We can't grow in our relationship with Jesus if we aren't on guard in our faith. And so I won't grow unless I guard. If you're not guarding the truth of God's word in your heart and hiding it in your heart, you won't grow and you need to be sticking in God's word because the truth is Jesus is coming back. Many are scoffing. Many are lying. Many are playing. And it's time for the church to get tough. It's time for the church to get tough. And... One of the last things I want to sort of leave you with is this. There's a real temptation, probably for all of us, to sit here today and think, yeah, the church needs to get tough. The church. Instead of saying, I need to get tough. Because who is the church? We are. If you're a Christian, if you've been baptized into Christ because you believe in him and know he's the only way, the only truth, the only life, and you are a part of the church, and it's time for you and me, we, us, to get tough and stand guard and hold out the truth because there are things at stake that are just so important. It's everybody that needs to hear this message and do something with it. And so I want you to do something for just a moment. I want you to spend a couple of moments just praying about what your next move will be. And I'm going to give you this framework to sort of plug it in. You can go ahead if you want to bow your, eye, bow your head and close your eyes if you want. And I want you to sort of maybe pray through this framework. You can say it however you want. But we talk about being all in here at Movement. And we talk about that's a mission partner. And the six areas that we really focus on for that are loving others and God. Serving others and serving the world. Moving, which means growing in our faith. Connecting, getting deeper involved with the church. Investing, giving back to God's kingdom. And then inviting other people to come along and get to know Jesus. Think about those six different parts of what it means to be all in. I believe that's a good synopsis of what being a Christian is supposed to be about. And say, God, help me to see what my next move is. Where do I need to get a little deeper? Where do I need to start for the very first time? Where do I need to get so that I can be on guard because lives are at stake and maybe even my own? Take a couple moments and just ask God to help you see what your next move is going to be. And then make your move. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Do what you need to do. Even if it's just asking for help, saying, I don't know how to make my next move, reach out to somebody. Take a moment and pray, and then we'll sing. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.